0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 377 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. For the better part of like three months now, it's been a constant churning of James Harden's unhappy with the Philadelphia 76 organization and James Harden wants to go to the Clippers and It's just been a constant cycle of James Harden news with no traction until yesterday when James Harden finally gets traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. He also goes with P.J. Tucker, Philip uh, Petrovich. I don't know who that is. I apologize. I'm sure I messed your name up. And the Philadelphia 76ers get Robert Covington, Nicholas Petun, Marcus Morris, uh Kenyon martin jr they get a first round pick two second rounds and a pick swap so for a trade like this you how people want to look at it. the simplest way to look at it is winners and losers that is how everyone usually looks at trades and i think that's the easiest way to look at trades but when we talk about a trade like this it is so layered and so complex that you can't just look at it as a winners and losers You have to look at it for what it is, and that is the trade. So what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers side of this, and I'm going to talk about the LA Clippers side of this, because both teams are looking at this as, I guess, quote-unquote wins. But both teams are also looking at this in two different perspectives. And let's start with the big side, or the side that got the quote-unquote big star, and that is the Clippers getting James Harden. The name James Harden is bigger and more important right now than the player James Harden. The name James Harden still reverberates around the NBA as one of the best players in basketball. But that's not who James Harden is currently at this moment. James Harden was upset last year that he didn't make an all-star team. But I and to his credit, James Harden did finish the season number one in assist. But the James Harden that we remember, the the thoughts that come to mind when you think of James Harden, that is not who he is. James Harden isn't the person that can go give you 40. They can go give you 60. They can get you a 50-point triple-double on any given night. That's not the James Harden that we've seen for a minute now. And I've said this time and time again. That is the James Harden that the Philadelphia 76ers needed. They didn't need the James Harden to lead the league and assist. They needed the James Harden that can give you instant offense as, as quickly as anyone we've ever seen the James Harden that the Clippers are getting is the same James Harden we've seen over probably the last four years and that is a slowed down version of James Harden he's still overly effective during game in some games not not as consistent as he used to be for the Houston Rockets but in some games, he's able to be uberly consistent. He can give you maybe a forty on a a random night, as we saw in the playoffs against the Celtics. But as we also saw, he can also fall off the map. When when a star gets traded to a team, usually a team has to give up a lot usually a team has to give up so much because it's it's very difficult to let go of a star cuz that usually means the franchise is, is hitting a reset or the franchise is going in a completely different direction we saw that with Damian Lillard the initial the initial trade wasn't a lot but when you look at the team today Portland got a whole hell of a lot from that Damian Lillard trade because at the end of the day, you're pivoting. You're going off of Damian Lillard to a hopefully new star in Scoot Henderson. This trade has been a little different because the star in this trade, or the star for the 76ers, let me say, was Joel Embiid, who's still there. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia side in a second, but I brought that point up to say The Clippers didn't have to give a lot. I also talked about this when we talked about the Damian Lillard trade and how I felt that even though I understood where Damian Lillard was coming from, he did operate in bad business practices. You signed a contract, and I understand if you want out. Trust me, I get it. I understand that you won out after you signed a contract that's a little shady but i get it because at the end of the day you're your own entity you're your own business so you need to do what's best for you but what i don't respect and what i don't like is you signing the contract and then demanding a trade to one team That really pigeonholes not only the team that you're currently on, but the team that you want to go to. Because the team that you want to go to, it's kind of like a cheat code for them because it's like not only are we we ultimately trying to get that star, but we don't have to give you a lot because the star has already come out and said that he wants to be here. He doesn't want to be anywhere else. Now, ultimately, yes, Damian Lillard didn't end up in Miami, but... That's why Miami was able to lowball the Milwaukee Bucks as long as they did, because that's the only destination that Damian Lillard said he wanted to go to. When we talk about this James Harden and Clippers deal, James Harden, the Clippers were the only team James Harden wanted to go to. And. Instead of giving up a Terrence man that the Philadelphia 76ers originally wanted and multiple draft picks or multiple first round picks, a package that a name like James Harden would garner. You get Robert Cummington, who is a good player, but he's not on the stature of James Harden. The name James Harden, Nicholas Petun, Marcus Morris, Kenyon Martin Jr., and a couple one first round pick two second round picks and a and a pick swap you get you don't have to give a lot and you still get James Harden now do I think James Harden is still at an all-star level no I don't maybe an all-star but maybe that I don't think he is on he is he should be considered a top tier player in the league anymore i don't think we've seen that for the last 4 years i don't think that we can yes james harden again led the league in assists last year but it is last year was a shell of what he used to look like in in houston so for people that are commenting cuz i know last episode i put out i talked about james harden and i said that his career is it seems like his career could possibly come to an end soon. This trade doesn't do anything for me as far as change my mind, and the reason for that is because I do think that even with this move, James Harden's career is extremely fragile right now. This is the fourth team in a row, the fourth team in a row in four years that he has forced his way out of. And like the great Kevin Garnett said, you can only zig for so long before it's done. And I don't think that James Harden skill wise at the at the point where you can continue to force your way out of situations like this. Again, this is the fourth time this has happened in four years Now, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the relationship with Daryl Morey. I'm not going to sit here and say that James Harden was either justified or not justified. What I'm talking about is what is now. And what is now is James Harden has a Clippers jersey on his back. How is this going to fit? That's another question that always needs to be answered When you have a star player or a player with the star name like James Harden goes to your team that already has a player like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. The person that this affects the most is Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook is the reason why I am weary and I am hesitant to crown this a successful trade. Because quiet is kept, Russell Westbrook has been playing great this year. He's been playing great, actually, ever since he's been on the Clippers. This year, I think he's shooting, I know it's early, but I think he's shooting close to a career high in three-point percentage. He's shooting close to a career high in field goal percentage. Russell Westbrook has played well, very well for the Clippers as the third option. And we've talked about this before. Your mindset has to change when you change when you go from the first option to the second option to the third option. Now, Russell Westbrook more than likely is the fourth option. And we've seen this story before. We've seen James Harden and Russell Westbrook play together and how disjointed it looked. Well, now you're adding on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I think Stephen A. Smith said it well. Wow. Stephen A. Smith said it, and it's absolutely right. That ironically, this move works better with an injury. And I don't wish an injury upon anyone. I don't want anyone hurt. But this move works better with, a three, with three people instead of two. Like this move works better if... Paul George gets hurt. So now you have Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. Or if Kawhi Leonard goes out, now you have Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. Of course, I don't wish injury upon anyone, but it's it's very hard for me to see. Now, I could be wrong. Because, again, I was slightly... I'm not going to say slightly wrong, but I needed to see what Kevin Durant looked like with the Golden State Warriors. And, obviously, (laughs) that was one of the greatest teams in NBA history. Now, I didn't think it wasn't going to work, but I just needed to see how it was going to work. A ball-dominant player like Kevin Durant, a ball-dominant player like Steph Curry. But what it did do is it took sacrifice. This is going to take sacrifice. And I don't know, and we talked about this last episode with Anthony Davis, I don't know if... Russell Westbrook understands the sacrifice, if James Harden understands the sacrifices that needs to be made to make this thing work. James Harden can't be on the ball. He has to turn himself into an off-ball or an an off ball player, something that he hasn't been since his... In fact, something he's never been, because even when he played with Russell Westbrook in OKC, he was the third or sixth man, so he would come in and orchestrate the second team sacrifices is that is the name of the game is the name of or is the is the topic bar for this trade when we talk about the clipper side sacrifice is james harden willing to sacrifice being on the ball as much as he's used to which as we saw with the Philadelphia 76ers, it didn't work that well. It worked better than I thought, but it didn't work that well. Is Russell Westbrook able to sacrifice because he is the de facto point guard? Now you're going to have to share reps, share point guard or point guard assignments with James Harden. And on top of that, and the reason why I keep talking about those two, because I don't expect Paul George to have to sacrifice. I don't expect Kawhi Leonard to have to sacrifice at this point because those two are the better players out of all four. The issue is, obviously, injuries. And that's another thing. Not as much as injuries, but the status of the Clippers after this trade. I understand that if you have an opportunity to get someone like the name James Harden and I keep saying let's put a PS in that. I keep saying the name because, again, the James Harden that we think of is not the James Harden that we've seen the last few years. This isn't a prolific. This isn't a prolific scoring James Harden. This isn't a you look up and oh, damn, James Harden got 60 points, triple double. This isn't him anymore. This is a a lesser version of James Harden. I still think he's a very good player, but he is not. Nowhere close to the the prime James Harden. He's closer to the end of his career than the beginning. I'll just say that. And I don't wish, you know, I, I want everyone to play as long as they want. But when we talk about injuries, when we talk about just the wear and tear in the body, when we talk about the fact of his superpowers that everyone that he has has diminished, meaning Steph Curry's superpower obviously is shooting threes. His superpowers also ball move or no player movement. He moves without the ball better than pretty much everyone in the league. On top of that, he is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Neither one of those powers for for Steph Curry is is going down is is decreasing. Right now, Giannis's superpower is just his brute force and his physicality and his ability to finish around the rim. That's not diminishing anytime soon. James Harden's superpower was, of course, being able to manipulate the refs to draw fouls as well as his first step was one of the quickest first steps we we've seen in the league and his step back. His step back in the way that he was able to create space was unlike any player in the league. Well, due to just him physically slowing down, those aren't. Yeah, he may get a step back here and there, but it's definitely not creating the as much space as it used to. And he's obviously not as quick as he used to. He, he has a tough time breaking down defenders or he has a tough time creating space because he just doesn't have that anymore. So let me get back to this. Let me get back to the Clippers. I understand why you would trade for a player like James Harden. It, it, it goes back to you're at the park. You're at the park and you're trying to build the best team possible. I get that. And people get upset with someone like a Kevin Durant for going to Golden State or someone like Kevin Durant for going to the Phoenix Suns or someone like Damian Lillard for ultimately getting traded to the Bucks and they think where's the competitive spirit but at the end of the day when you're at the park why would you want to play with bums you know what i'm saying so people get upset when you build teams like this but i understand why if you're a team you want to get the best players possible and especially while it seems like a lot just the sheer amount that the clippers gave away as far as one two four players and Two, three, four, four picks. That seems like a lot. But when you look at the players and how impactful or not as impactful as they were to the Clippers, you didn't really give up much for James Harden. So I understand why you would do this. But I also understand that this reeks of desperation from the Clippers. Because the headline is you have Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You were able to keep Terrence Mann. That's the headline. The headline is the new super team. But what they're not telling you, or not going to say not telling you, let me, let me. What isn't headlined is all four of those players are free agents after this season. So at the end of this year, all of those players are free agents. And what do you think the likelihood that all four of them get a contract to remain with the Clippers? Now, I could obviously be wrong, but I, I think it's very naive to think that all four of them is going to remain the clipper. In fact, I'm very naive in thinking that most of them are going to remain the clipper. And that is where I said it's it reeks of desperation because they're trying to do what the what the LA Rams did. They're trying to win now. They're trying to compile a team and win now because this team is not going to look the same next year. And when you factor that in it's a it's a it's a difficult trade and an interesting trade because you gave up so much these players you know nicholas Patoon, robert covington Mark, they could have been a lot cheaper and probably would have stayed and honestly not all of them were free agents so you're giving a lot of your future for the now And when you look at the landscape of the league, I don't know how much better James Harden makes the Clippers. I know the name sounds good. And again, if I'm wrong, I will definitely come in here and say that I'm wrong. I have no problem in doing that. We're going to talk about how I was wrong a little bit later in the show. But as of right now, I understand why the Clippers would do it, but... I also understand that it's it reeks of desperation because do you realize how much they gave up to get a Russell Westbrook, to get a Paul George, to get Kawhi Leonard? Remember, Shea Gilge Alexander was on this team. The person that won, I mean that the person that landed on all NBA first team last year, the same person that is a young star in this league they gave up Paul George or they gave up to get Paul George they gave up so much to get Kawhi Leonard they gave up a lot to get Russell Westbrook a bunch of draft picks they gave up a bunch of draft picks now to get Russ or James Harden all of which are free agents at the end of this year and another reason why I don't foresee most of them coming back is because they've been trying to trade. I mean, Kawhi just kept, they've been trying to trade Paul George for a minute now. And we talk about Anthony Davis and his health issues. Kawhi Leonard has played less games. In fact, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have played less games. Than Anthony Davis. Or I think maybe just Kawhi Leonard, but if you combine them, they played less games. I don't wanna I don't wanna make it sound like I'm crapping on James Harden or James Harden's trash or this isn't going to work. If you just talk about the names and you talk about the collection of talent The Clippers on paper, I have to always specify by saying on paper, the Clippers have one of, if not the best team in basketball, or at least the best collection of top tier talent in basketball. If we just talk about on paper. But injuries are never a factor on paper. Team chemistry is never a factor on paper. So, I understand, again, why the Clippers would do this, but I don't know as we sit here today. Now, again, I could be wrong and things can be drastically different by the end of the season or even the trade deadline, but I don't see how this James Harden deal makes the Clippers that much better. Especially when you see has mu- as how much Russell Westbrook has to sacrifice now. Russell Westbrook, that's been playing great for this team, and on top of that, you uh, it f- for damn sure puts your future into question because. The, your big four now are all free agents after at the end of this season. And, Lord forbid, let's say you don't win a championship. What incentives do, does any four of them have of staying? Which means that you would have went big game hunting and come back with nothing. In fact, come back worse than, and this is only if, of course, all four of them leave after this year, which is a very real possibility, let's say that. And the last, very last thing I'm going to say about James Harden and the Clippers side is, again, I don't know how many times James Harden has to do this this is the fourth time this is the fourth time that he has forced his way out of a seemingly perfect a seemingly perfect situation this is the fourth time he's forced his way out of it and shout out to Stephen A. Smith he said a stat that James Harden Russell Westbrook and Paul George are in the top nine of all time in, I think, minutes played without a championship or games played without a championship. Yeah. And let me talk about the Philadelphia 76ers side because, honestly, they're probably the happiest in this situation. They're the happiest because it, it... not only clearly defines their team right now, or their team is clearly defined, moving forward, you don't have the distraction of a disgruntled player, especially a player that is considered uber important for your team in James Harden, but it's a clear definition of, or it clearly defines your team because now moving forward, you know that your number two option is, Tyrese Maxey. And Tyrese Maxey has the ability to be one of the better young players. Actually, he is currently one of the better young players in basketball. He just now has the opportunity to display it a lot more than he did with James Harden. And on top of that, you don't have to worry about he gets as much touches. Outside of, of course, Joel Embiid, he gets as much touches at the guard position as ever because he, now he has no competition for that guard spot. And I think that for the 76ers is kind of addition by subtraction. You gain a more confident, a more empowered, a more integral Tyrese Maxey giving up. Someone like James Harden, who, again, I will give him credit, led the league in assists last year. And while, yes, I do think that it doesn't. I still don't think that when we when we talk about the grand scheme of the East, I don't think that the Philadelphia 76ers are anywhere close to being better than the Celtics when they're on their game or the Milwaukee Bucks. But I do think that it is this team is now clearly defined. And you're essentially giving up a player that A, was unhappy, and B, is a free agent at the end of this year. And you got Robert Covington, who's a great 3 and D player. You have Nicholas Batum. He can hit a shot. <laughs> you have Marcus Morris. He can hit a shot. And you have Kenyon Martin Jr., who is a good young player with a bunch of picks. So I think that I'm not going to say winners or losers, but I will say that the Philadelphia 76ers are probably happiest right now. Actually, a person that may not be the happiest is Joel Embiid. Because... I think right now, when you look at it, it's like, God damn, we gave up James Harden for a bunch of scraps outside of Robert Covington. I think he's good, but a bunch of scraps. But I do think that towards the end of the year, hopefully we're all expecting Tyreek Maxey to take that elevator up as far as skill set. I think he's going to be happy. But I know that this is... I will say that if, if this doesn't work out... If the Philadelphia 76ers end up much worse than they are now, if Tyreek Maxey doesn't make that leap, I don't expect Joel Embiid to be... And I will say this. Even if... If you can't make it out of the second round, or even to the second round, that's going to be an issue. And I don't know if Joel Embiid will stay around for that. Now... Again, we're just talking about this trade. But there is there's always a red pill, a red pill, blue pill situation with all trades. What if this happens? What if this happens? And I foresee this being a positive for the Philadelphia 76ers, but it can it can also be a negative if things don't which I don't expect to happen, but if things don't um matriculate into wins and, and better team chemistry and stuff like that we'll see we'll see but as we sit here today James Harden and PJ Tucker is now a LA Clipper and Tyreke Maxey is the clear cut definitive second option for the Philadelphia 76ers that also get a really good 3 and D player in Robert Covington so we'll have to see what happens but i'm excited i'm always excited you know i'm always excited to see how these work cuz again this is if you look at the landscape of the league man you got a superpower in in phoenix right now you still got golden state and they're pretty old but they're playing hell of basketball and i i know i said that their windows closed but they're, they've been playing really well. And Chris Paul looks a lot better than I thought he did. Or the, I thought he would. You still have the Lakers who have their up and downs. You still have Milwaukee and Denver. Nobody really talks about Denver because of just how good they are. Denver is the clear-cut best team in basketball right now. And Nicole Jokic seems like he is the clear-cut best player in basketball. And it's, it's I'm not going to say it's not close because Giannis is still Giannis, but... This is just interesting. A, a trade like this, especially for the Clippers that usually gets talked or left out as far as the top echelon teams because of their health status that frequently changes with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. This they're hoping that this puts them right in the in the fray of things and I I'm, I'm excited to see. And for the this this doesn't make I don't think that this makes the Philadelphia 76ers much worse either, so Because they've proven that they can win without uh, James Harden. So, we'll see. But congratulations for James Harden for ultimately getting what he wanted. And not only getting out of Philly, but going to the one team that he wanted to go to was the Clippers. We're going to move over to week eight of the NFL. And... It was clear. You ever I don't remember who said it, but for people that have a Chrysler 300 and it's a beautiful car. And it's a very serviceable car, don't get me wrong. It's a it's it's not a luxury car, but it's definitely Not a Toyota Corolla, or it's definitely not a Toyota Camry, you know? A Chrysler 300 looks beautiful when you put it alongside those type of cars. But then when a a Bentley pulls up, you know, it kind of reminds me, and on on a lesser term, that analogy kind of reminds me of the difference between Minute Made Orange Juice and Sunny D. Sunny D is a serviceable drink. But if we're talking about the difference between Sunny D and Orange Juice, it's night and day. Joe Burrow. And the Cincinnati Bengals beat the San Francisco Forty Nine ers thirty one to seventeen. Let me first dispel anything. Joe Burrow is back. He that injury is not affecting him anymore. Or if it is, it is not affecting him clearly as much as it was the beginning of the year. And this is starting to look like one of those typical Cincinnati Bengals years where they start off incredibly slow and then once they get hot, they get hot and just barrel their way down to an AFC championship or a Super Bowl. I don't know. I'm not gonna go as far as say that they're gonna win the Super Bowl or even go to the AFC. Actually, I think I did have them in the AFC championship going against the Ravens, but this is starting to look like one of those teams or one of those years for this for the for the Bengals that we've seen these last few years. But like I started with the analogy, it was clear and it was such a stark difference watching Joe Burrow on one side and Brock Purdy on the other. Now, again, this is why the saying is always numbers never lie. And I always combat that with your that's true numbers never lie, but. Numbers also don't tell the whole story. Because if you look, you think Joe Burrow didn't play or played worse than Brock Purdy. I mean, Joe Burrow finished with 283 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. While Brock Purdy finished with 365 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Now, obviously, the interceptions part... Joe Burrow's clearly beating, or Joe Burrow clearly had the advantage over Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy nearly threw over a hundred more yards than Joe Burrow. But what the numbers don't tell you is this is the San Francisco's third straight loss. What the numbers don't tell you is, well, yes, Brock Purdy threw for 365 yards. There were multiple times in the games where he just looked lost. And there was multiple times in the game. In fact, those two interceptions were extremely costly. I think the second one came in the fourth quarter. And what the numbers aren't telling you from this game is, in the last three games, Brock Purdy has more interceptions than he has touchdowns. I said this before. Brock Purdy is starting to turn into that type of quarterback that needs everything to go right around him. Same thing with Jimmy G. Brock Purdy is the type of quarterback where if you have a Debo Samuels playing great, if you have a Brandon Ayuk playing great, if you have Christian McCaffrey playing great, if you have the offensive line playing good, if you have... George Kittle playing great and if you have this defense playing up to up to par then Brock Purdy is going to be great Brock Purdy is going to be considered a top tier quarterback because everything around him is working and he's able to, to utilize everything around him but this is yet another game where Debo Samuel, your number one receiving option is out, and this yet another game where the defense isn't able to play to isn't able to play up to its caliber. So you, Brock Purdy, needs needs to elevate your game, but as we've seen, is he's unable to do that, or he's not able to do that to a sense where it can ultimately matriculate wins. And I think that's the issue. That's the biggest issue with Kyle Shanahan teams. Their teams aren't. And that's kind of why we focus on the quarterback more than anything with Kyle Shanahan's teams. Because his teams are always great teams. But they're never built to come back. Now, the misnomer and the thing that you hear is they don't play good from behind. Which... I like, let me just throw that out. Every team plays better with a lead. Like, come on now. That phrase comes from where are you able to play? Is your offense, is your defense able to keep you in games or able to shrink a deficit? Kyle Shanahan offenses. While they should be allowed to do that. And should be able to do that. They have not had the quarterback to do that. I came here and said that. Brock Purdy. Was a top 10 quarterback in the league. And at the moment. He was playing like a top 10 quarterback in the league. But as we sit here today. That. Doesn't seem to be true. And it's clear as day that that probably isn't true because of what we saw on Sunday. Because you saw what a top 10 quarterback looks like in Joe Burrow next to a top or someone that isn't exactly a top 10 quarterback in Brock Purdy. Now, again, this isn't. I'm not putting this all on Brock Purdy. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is trash. And I'm also not saying that this 40 or the 49ers is trash. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this is the third week in a row where the defense doesn't have it. This is the third week in a row where you don't have Debo Samuels. This is the third week in a row where Brock Purdy needs to elevate his game to ultimately help this team win because your superpowers that you've had you know the defense it's not there i still think that the, i still think the defense is great it's just there are weeks that you just don't have it and you're unable to sustain it i don't think that i think the 49ers are still great i think the 49ers are still one of those super bowl caliber teams but It, is, it has now been three weeks in a row where you need Brock Purdy to be better. You need Brock Purdy to be the best player on your team, even with Christian McCaffrey because he's still a running back and there's limits to his effect. You need Brock Purdy to elevate your team because the defense that has, that is usually elevating it isn't able to do that. And this is the third week in a row where he is unable to do that, which means that this is the third week in a row that the 49ers have lost. As we sit here today, I, it feels like I was wrong about Brock Purdy being a top 10 quarterback. I don't think Brock Purdy's trash. I don't think Brock Purdy is not good. But what I do think is there is clearly a ceiling with Brock... We have seen a ceiling with Brock Purdy in... And that ceiling isn't as high as I possibly thought it was going into or before this three week this three game losing streak. And if you want to talk about ceilings, the talent discrepancy was was massive. When you talk about what we saw from Joe Burrow. And what we saw from Brock Purdy. And especially when we talk about poise. Now, again, poise is different for different people. Obviously, you don't need to be as hurry. Joe Burrow didn't need to be as hurry as rushed as Brock Purdy did because he pretty much had the lead majority of the game so you don't really feel that oh shoot I gotta, I, I gotta bring us back you don't feel that with Joe Burrow as much as Brock Purdy felt that but it goes back to the Chrysler 300 and Bentley analogy it goes back to the Sunny D and orange juice analogy Sunny D is good when it needs to be good Sonny D is a very serviceable drink. But it's not orange juice. Brock Purdy is a very serviceable quarterback. And Brock Purdy can win you games. Brock Purdy can get the job done. But he's not Joe Burrow. He's not orange juice. So, shouts out to the Bengals for beating the 49ers 31-17. it needs to be addressed that when someone, when a quarterback is hurt and when I mean hurt, I mean out for the season hurt that always has a huge ripple effect, not only on the team but on the division and on the conference while no Kurt Cousins is not the biggest name. And while no, Kurt Cousins doesn't ultimately change the trajectory of this Minnesota Vikings team, even though I do think that the Minnesota Vikings team had a good shot, even though as they currently sit, they're four and four. Have a good, sh- had a good shot of making it to the playoffs. I just, when I talk about the grand scheme of things, I don't think that they were Super Bowl caliber team. But Kurt Cousins tore his ACL on Sunday against the Packers. Out for the season. This ultimately kills any shot that the Minnesota Vikings had at going to not only the playoffs, but any type of motion that they had for this season being a success. I'm not saying that Kurt Cousins is a top-tier quarterback. I will never say that but Kurt Cousins is good enough to chain or steer your team in a in the right direction. He is good enough to be that missing piece for a team like a I think if Kurt Cousins was the quarterback for the 49ers they'd still be a Super Bowl-caliber team, and probably even even more of a Super Bowl-caliber team. Kurt Cousins being out, tearing his ACL, doesn't only affect the Minnesota Vikings, but it affects the entire league. I'm not saying the as far as, you know, championship-wise, but Kurt Cousins' name was always out there when we talk about trades and, and which team needs an upgrade at quarterback. Kurt Cousins' name was up there. Every single, every single trade deadline. And we know how good Kirk Cousins can be. We know the limitations he has. We know that Kirk Cousins doesn't have the best record in prime time, but Kirk Cousins can be considered one of the better quarterbacks at the 1 p.m. slot. And we also seen what Kirk Cousins looks like at his height. And when Kirk Cousins is playing to his best, he... Can win any game against any opponent. This is such a huge blow. I, now, I will say, and I haven't said it yet, I wish nothing but a speedy recovery for Kirk Cousins, and I wish that, I hope that he's able to come back better than ever. But this not only affects the trade market, it affects now what the Minnesota. Vikings do moving forward now. Do you give up a daniel Hunter now? Do you do you go for maybe a a Colt McCoy or free agents like a uh, Carson Wentz? Do you go for a Jacoby Myers that's on Washington or not? kobe Myers Jacoby Brissett that's on Washington right now. This is huge. This is again. It's not a Patrick Mahomes. It's not a Lamar Jackson or anything, but. This is huge. Not having Kurt Cousins for this. Again, it this is probably one of the first times where this not only affects a team, but it affects the trade deadline more than anything. Now, as I'm recording this, the trade deadline is at 4 o'clock today. I'm recording this at around 1.30. It's actually one thirty right now. So this is obviously before the trade deadline. I don't know. I know Montez Sweat just got moved. We'll talk about that in a second. But I don't know what's happening after 4 o'clock right now. But what I will say is Kurt Cousins healthy and Kurt Cousins injured definitely uh, affects not only the Vikings, and moving forward and even next year because it's not like he's going to I don't think he's going to be ready for the start of next year seeing as though this happened in week 8 but it affects the trade deadline and it obviously affects someone like Justin Jefferson and his numbers moving forward it also affects someone like Jordan Addison, who has put on an incredible rookie, rookie year, rookie outing for the, for the Vikings. This is, this is huge, man. And I wish nothing but a speedy recovery for Kirk Cousins. And I guess I'll talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers and the situation. And how we have to, kind of like with Brock Purdy, we have to be honest about what we're seeing from Jordan Love, man. I understand the whole premise of of it takes time, right? Things take time to develop. Things take time to grow. Well, we're at week eight. And Jordan Love looks like he's getting worse than better. Jordan Love is, it seems like he's on the decline more than the ascend. This is yet another game where Jordan Love throws a costly interception. This is yet another game where Jordan Love continuously overthrows his receivers. Overthrows receivers that could have possibly scored, and they could have possibly won. I know one that's just... Cheered into my head right now is overthrowing Christian Watson in the end zone, just airmailing it. And I understand that he hasn't played a lot, obviously being behind someone like Aaron Rodgers for the majority of his career. But this is year three, even not playing a lot. I expect you to take, uh, and you can see it. You can see with some of the mechanics, some of the foot foot movements. Jordan Love has, t- has adopted a lot of Aaron Rodgers' game. The issue is, and the problem that he faces now, is he's not as talented as Aaron Rodgers. So some of the things that Aaron Rodgers was doing doesn't work for you because you're not as talented as him. I know it's tough. and I know that it's, it's almost impossible to ask someone to unlearn something that you've learned, especially you've learned from someone that you're supposed to learn from. But you it's with the with the bouncing of the feet, it, that doesn't work for a player not as talented as Aaron Rodgers because now you don't have the the base to throw the ball. So now you're you're underthrowing people, you're overthrowing people. It's you're just it's just erratic. I'm not saying that Jordan Love isn't the future for the Green Bay Packers. And I'm also not saying that Jordan Love is just completely trash. But what I'm saying is Jordan Love is regressing mid-season and that is an issue. A huge issue. So, speaking of regressing, I'm not taking a lot out of Kansas City Chiefs-Denver Broncos game. First of all, shouts out to the Denver Broncos for beating the Kansas City Chiefs twenty-four to to nine. I think that breaks like a seventeen-game losing streak that the Broncos have to the Chiefs. Is that that's the first time I think in his career that the that Patrick Mahomes has lost to a AFC West opponent at home, at their house, like on the road. All streaks have to be broken, so. I think this is also the first game since 2021 that Patrick Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown. All all streaks be broken. So shouts out to the Broncos for beating the Kansas City Chiefs 24-9. to The One of the biggest reasons why I'm not taking a lot out of this is because, A, it's very hard to beat any opponent, let alone a divisional opponent, but it's very hard to beat any opponent two times in two weeks that's tough uh especially when you're again talking about a divisional opponent and another reason why i'm not criticized or i'm not taking much out of this is because the issues that the kansas city chiefs have and one of the biggest reasons why i am I have been skeptical about their Super Bowl chances this year are the same issues that reared his ugly head against the Broncos. Wide receivers dropping passes. And and, and, and that's it. (laughs) Again, we've been talking about this for the majority of the year, man. This team, this Kansas City Chiefs team is so reliant on the connection that Patrick Mahomes has with Travis Kelsey that if a defense like the Broncos did on Sunday, if a defense does a really good job at stopping them, it's, it's curtains. Because now you have someone like Valdez Scantley uh Dropping passes. Now you have someone like Rasheed Rice dropping passes. Now you have someone like Justin Watson dropping passes. It it just it. McCole Harmon dropping passes. Yo, that's another thing. They had five turnovers. I don't foresee that happening for the Kansas City Chiefs. Even if those wide receivers aren't playing well, five turnovers. I think three of which were in the. I think mean, three of which were in the red zone. I think I don't. I don't foresee that happening. I don't foresee. Patrick Holmes throwing zero touchdowns, two interceptions majority of the time. I just don't. So, yeah, congratulations to the Denver Broncos Congrat- for beating the Kansas City Chiefs and ending that, what, 17-0 losing streak that they had against them. And I will also give credit to Russell Wilson. Now, again, Russell Wilson played one probably – one of his best games is he's played as a Denver Bronco. The numbers don't say it. Obviously 12 for 19, 114 yards. That doesn't scream top tier. You did have three touchdowns and you did, you didn't have any interceptions. That right there is, is, is a win for me. Now I will say that the Denver Broncos defense played probably his best game that they've played this year. Uh, And it, it, it obviously works. So shouts out to them, man. But I'm not taking a lot out of this game as far as negative wise, when we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, because a lot of things that happen in this game, I don't foresee happening much more times in the future. But I will say that there is a concern. Like there's been all year about the, about the wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs and how, they don't have a reliable wide receiver outside of their tight end, which is Travis Kelsey. But if you do a good job, which the Broncos did in stopping and minimizing the impact of Travis Kelsey, you ultimately hinder this offense. So I will say that I was, uh, I've been a little, um, weary and skeptical about my Super Bowl pick. Obviously, going into the season, I picked the Baltimore Ravens to ultimately win the Super Bowl. I thought that this was going to be the Ravens year. And first few we- the first few weeks, it was a little sketchy. I mean, you lose to the Steelers. You lose to the Colts. It, it doesn't look good. The wide receivers, they keep dropping passes. It seems like Lamar Jackson continues to fumble the ball in the fourth. It's It just wasn't looking good. But the same thing I was doing with the Eagles is the same thing that I was kind of doing. Or what I was doing with the Eagles is the same thing that I was doing with the Ravens. Is I was looking at everything that I was seeing in the game. And bypassing the end product. And the end product is, as we sit here today, the Ravens are 6-2. and two. Number one in the AFC North. And on paper, like, not even on paper, but if you look at the team, they probably have the best overall team in football. And... The Ravens. The thing that I'm starting to regain faith in my pick is this is probably the first year where the Ravens can win, and the Ravens have won multiple ways. They've now obviously their their core their their being is still Smash Mouth football, and it's still run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I mean. The Ravens beat the Cardinals 31-24. to Gus Edwards had 19 carries for 80 yards, three touchdowns. Lamar Jackson, five carries for 17 yards. Rashard Bateman had a carry. Justice Hill had four carries. It's still smash-mouth football. And their goal is still to, I'm sorry, I'm looking at uh, trades just to make sure, you know things don't go haywire just to, so they're, they're still trying that that's still their being there's their being is still smash mouth a lot of defense, a lot of running the ball, but unlike multiple years, they can win multiple ways. We've seen Lamar Jackson throw for 300 plus yards. We've seen Zay flowers go off. We've seen Mark Andrews win games This team is versatile, and that is something that I have never been able to say about a Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson-led team. It's versatile. Now, yes, there was a huge thing about Odell Beckham Jr., you know, being upset because he has yet to catch a touchdown this year. I think, well, yes, I do think that he ultimately wants to win and ultimately wants to catch a touchdown. I do think that there are probably touchdown incentives in his contract and catch incentives that probably not going to hit. But I'm starting to regain faith, man. This defense is great. Patrick Queen and Raquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton has been really good. This this team is good. And this team, because we've seen they can beat you in multiple ways, this is still my Super Bowl favorite. Even if they were playing bad, I'm not going to change it, but I do like what I'm seeing from this Baltimore Ravens team. And even though they didn't look the greatest in the beginning, and they still, that's another thing. The Ravens are not going to blow you out. Very rarely, I know it's they did just beat the Lions by 30, but on a regular occasion, the Ravens aren't the team that's going to beat you out. The Raven beat you out. What the world? The Ravens aren't the team that's going to blow you out. They're not the type of team that is just going to put 40 on the board every single week. Now Again, I know that they did that just a week ago against the Lions, but that was a very rare situation. But they're the type of team that you're going to they're going to do just the right things to win or they're going to put themselves in positions to win, even if it's a 31-24 or, you know, 21-14 game. Like they're going to keep it close, but they ultimately have won most of these games so they can they can win multiple ways. And that to me is. And to me, Lamar Jackson is in the MVP conversation. I don't know if they're going to give it to him or not, but it's. I can't name a quarterback that's been more consistent. Or let me say this. There's not a, many names that's been more consistent this year than Lamar Jackson. So, shouts out to the Ravens for beating the Cardinals 31-24. And the Ravens are still my Super Bowl pick. So, and I feel better about that now than I did probably week two or three. (sighs) Boy. You know why they say you have to be careful about the decisions you make? Because every decision, every single decision has consequences. Now the word consequences is the key part in that sentence. Because anytime you hear the word consequence most of the time there's a negative connotation that comes with it. When people hear these are the consequences usually they think it's negative. And when we hear consequences usually it is negative. But consequence isn't always a negative thing. It literally is just the, it's, it's like cause and effect. It's literally, if you make a decision, there's always gonna be consequences to that decision, whether good or bad. If I make a decision to invest, let's say $100 into a property and it blows up, and I mean blow up, I mean the the rate, the the value of that property goes up, the consequence of me putting $100 down, The consequence is now that money has flipped and it's 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 grown to exponential proportions. That is the consequence for me putting that hundred dollars down for the property that ultimately blew up. The Raiders aren't good. The Raiders are not good at all. And the thing that I feared And the thing that we have known for the longest is Jimmy G is not a franchise quarterback. He is a quarterback. I will give him props. He is a quarterback that is extremely good when everything goes right. When everything is laid out perfectly for him. When you have a great offensive line, when you have a great defense, when you have a great coach, when you have great offensive weapons, Jimmy G is a very good quarterback. But as we've seen on several occasions in his career, he is unable to elevate a team when one or two things isn't going right, We've seen that on even his Super Bowl year. We forget who was on that defense. Who was on that offense? The Lions beat the Raiders 26-14. to 14. And the talk after this game is about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams finished the game with, in fact, let me not even go there. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Jacoby Myers, their three wide receivers, finished with a combined four receptions. Four. For a combined 38 plus 11, 49 yards. Devontae Adams had seven targets, one reception for 11 yards. And the conversation after that game was obviously do Devontae Adams a favor and let him go. Free Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams deserves to be with a good organization. He deserves to be with a good quarterback. He deserves to be with a in a better system. There is a couple things that I think is true about this situation. And we just expressed one of them. Jimmy G is not a a that good of a quarterback. I said that when the Raiders were just so quick to let Derek Carr go for Jimmy G. I'm like, you're not getting any better. In fact, you're getting worse. Also know that Josh McD... It's clear that Josh McDaniels is not a good coach. I don't think there's ever been a place where Josh McDaniels has been the head coach and that team has flourished. Now, is he a good coordinator? Yeah, actually, he's he's probably a damn good coordinator when you're alongside Bill Belichick. But he's been a coach. This is uh, this is another stint where it just hasn't worked. And I don't foresee Josh McDaniels there by the end of the year. If not, if they're going to save whole face and keep him because the Raiders are will fire somebody in the middle of the season. Let's (laughs) but if they don't want to look bad, they'll just wait to the end since I mean, the Lakers. I mean, not the Lakers. The Raiders season is I'm not going to say over, but over. So I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to be there for next season. I'll say that. But it goes back to decisions and consequences. Now, I understand that the the, the Raiders of the Devontae Adams, well, the Raiders that the Devontae Adams, what am I saying? The Raiders that Devontae Adams went to is obviously not the same Raiders that he's on now. He went there because apparently it was one of his childhood dreams to play for the Raiders, and he also ultimately wanted to play with his best friend and Derek Carr. Derek Carr is out of there. Derek Carr is on the Saints, and this iteration of the Raiders is not the same Raiders that Devontae Adams chose to go to. Picked the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, chose this Raiders team over that. But it's all about decision and consequence. One thing that I do know, and the one thing that we've seen countless times in sports in general, not just NFL, sports in general is things change, right? And a team, the fabric of a team can change drastically, not just year after year, but week after week, that's a big that's the big reason why there's a trade deadline. And if you want a clear-cut effect of that or a clear-cut example of that outside of this Devontae Adams situation, look at the Christian McCaffrey, look at Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey has always been considered one of the best one running backs in the league when he was in Carolina. But Christian McCaffrey's impact wasn't that That much felt because you didn't have a quarterback. You didn't have an offensive line. There was a lot going on with the Carolina Panthers. Vice versa, when you look at the 49ers, the 49ers never really had a solid running game. They were good. You had Jimmy G, but you didn't have a solid running game. Now you look at it. Christian McCaffrey has changed the fabric of this 49ers offense. What I'm getting at is things change. And as much as I hate this phrase, because they say this at my job a lot, but I hate it. But in this instance, it is kind of true. This is the bed that you made, Devontae Adams. You chose to go to the Raiders. And on top of that, the Raiders and and Derek Carr were, it seemed like they were destined for a split before Devontae Adams got there. Everyone knew that, apparently, except for Devontae Adams. Or I guess they felt that Devontae Adams being there would change the trajectory, which Devontae Adams is that type of player, will change the direct trajectory of a team. But once they realize that it didn't, and the Raiders still finished probably the same place they would have finished without Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, they stay. They let Derek Carr walk. I would love to see Devontae Adams be on a team that competes for a championship. I would love to see Devontae Adams on a Kansas City Chiefs team or a Baltimore Ravens team. Hell, I would love to see Devonta Adams on my team, the Washington Commanders. But I also understand that this is a business, and like many businesses. Teams change all the time. And while, yes, I understand that you didn't go to the Raiders to play with Jimmy G and to get one reception for 11 yards and to have, I think, like 450 or 400 or no, 150 yards or something like that in the last four games. I know you didn't go to the Raiders to do that. I get that. And, again, I would love to see Devontae Adams on a contender. But I also understand that this is the bed that Devontae Adams unfortunately made when you decide to leave Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers to go to a dysfunctional organization. A dysfunctional organization before you. And I don't think, I, I don't understand which, and I think the Green Bay Packers were willing to pay him the mo- more money than the than the Raiders. But you chose dysfunction. Over. Stable. Even though. the Winning wise it isn't there as much. As people like to say it is. You chose a dysfunctional organization. Over a stable organization. And now. You're upset. That the dysfunctional organization. Is dysfunctional. It's unfortunate, but hey. Decisions, consequences. Let's move on. The Cowboys destroyed the Rams, man. They beat them forty-three to twenty. Everything that the Cowboys are not struggling with <laughs> is exactly what they. I'll say this. What have been the Cowboys struggles this year? It has been going against a top-tier defense. It has been finishing in the red zone. It has been when Dak Prescott throws interceptions. That has been when they struggled the most. Or multiple interceptions. That has been when they struggled the most. Well, they haven't really... Dak Prescott hasn't struggled moving the ball. I mean, he is one of the league leaders in pass or pass attempts and one of the league leaders in passing yards. It's just when you get to the red zone, they've been struggling. Well, coming off a bye week, the Cowboys laid into the Rams, beating them by 23. Dak Prescott, 304 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Man, it... CeeDee Lamb had 12 receptions for 158 yards. That, and that's, what we, that's another thing we're talking about. We've been talking about how the Cowboys have not been able or have been reluctant to use CeeDee Lamb as a number one receiver. Well, they obviously did this against the Rams. And 14 targets for 12 – or 14 targets, 12 receptions, two touchdowns, bro. Like, <laughs> man – they laid into the Now, I will say the Rams, the Rams are on their last leg, man, which is why I'm kind of confused as to why they won't trade Aaron Donald. I get Aaron Donald is still at least in for my generation one of the greatest defense defenders of all time. But Aaron Donald obviously his impact doesn't doesn't help with wins, and there Aaron Donald I know is shocking, but he was pretty dominant in the the start of this game. It just just got away from him quickly. He had two sacks, two forced uh, tackles for losses. Just didn't Matthew Stafford. I think he hurt his thumb. He sprained his thumb. He had 162 yards, one touchdown, one interception. It was just, it was just bad. I don't understand. I mean, the, the, this is what happens. This is the downside to going for, going for, um, going for it now. This is the downside. You, or when, when they went all in for the championship, the, rams and they ultimately got it this is the now you don't really have that much of a bright future with because you don't really have any draft picks and now your own your only asset is aaron donald and if you don't want to trade him like again you don't and cooper cooper cup but i don't know why you would trade cooper cup but that's those are your only two assets and you get more, in my opinion, for Aaron Donald than you would for Cooper Cup. So, oh, there was a trade. Hold up. The Vikings got Josh Dobbs. So. To the. uh, Yeah, they got Josh Dobbs from the Cardinals. So shouts out to him. And. Uh, damn. Josh Dobbs. They couldn't get. They couldn't get. I don't know. Like. I know Josh Jobs is playing okay, but you could I don't know. I don't know. Let's just get back to it. Uh the the Rams. I just I just feel you could have got more or the only trade option that you have is Aaron Donald. And I think you gotta explore that, seeing as though even with Aaron Donald, and this is no slight to Aaron Donald, but even with him, you're not you're getting blown out by twenty three. So and that Cowboys team, that Cowboys team, if they play like that, they can beat anybody. They were rolling on all cylinders, bro. So, shouts out to the Cowboys. I also want to say shouts out to the Chargers. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They beat the Bears 30-13. to 13. Um, what, I was calling this man Tyson Bagnet. Boy, let me tell you something about me. <laughs> I am very intelligent. But w- I have a tough time on pronouncing names at times. A lot of times. Majority of the times. I have a tough time names. So his name is definitely not Tyson Bagnet. And... Yeah, bro. I apologize. It's uh, Tyson Bajant. Like, I was hella wrong. But, uh, yeah, the Chargers did exactly what they were supposed to do, man. Justin Herbert dominated 298 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Bajant went for 232 yards, two interceptions. What I won't understand is. Cause I was listening to the game and and I was people are so quick to give up on people, you know what I'm saying? Like that it's just crazy. Cause throughout that game, man, all I heard and this is of course following the win that uh Beijing had a week ago, people are just so quick to give up on just Justin Fields and saying that Tyson don't get me wrong, he was cool, but he's that he's so much better than justin fields right now let's calm down on that one (laughs) let's 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 pump the brakes man but i will say shout out to the chargers for beating the bears 30 to 13 i also want to say shout out to the panthers for getting their first win the season this is i think i was right about majority of these picks in fact I def I had the, ch- uh, actually, no, I had the 49ers beat. No, I had the Bengals being. No, I think I had the 49ers being the Bengals. I definitely had the Vikings being the Bear- or Packers. I was completely wrong about the Broncos being the Chargers. I mean, you no, know, beating the Chiefs. I thought I knew the Ravens were going to beat the Cardinals. I knew the Lions were going to beat the Raiders. I thought the Cowboys were going to beat the Rams. And I, at this point, yeah, I was right about most of my picks. Uh, except for this one and the Broncos. The Panthers got their first win. Shouts out to them beating the Houston Texans 15-13. to 13. You So this was probably one of the first games in his young career where C.J. Stroud didn't look that good. 16 for 24, 140 yards. He didn't look special at all. And he looked much worse than... Bryce Young, who twenty two for thirty one, two hundred and thirty five, he, Bryce Young looked like the better quarterback. Now I think throughout the in, d- duration of the year and throughout duration of the season, C.J. Stroud has looked better. But this this game, Bryce Young had his best game. Man, um, shouts out to him. I'm not saying that you know. It's justified now that the Panthers should have got CJ Stroud. I'm not saying that this proves it. What I'm saying is this is CJ Stroud's first. I'm I was probably too quick, or I, I probably crowned the Houston Texans quicker than I should have because they were playing well. Even though again they're three and four, they're playing well. They just there's just a talent gap, but maybe they're not as close to contending or not as close to resembling a good team as much as I thought they were. Uh, But CJ Stroud did have a bad game and shouts out to the Panthers for getting their first win. The Saints, the Saints beat the Colts 38 to 27. This uh, bro. I don't know what to make of the Saints, man. The Saints, I think the Saints offense is not that good. Even though they have the pieces, you have Alvin Kamara, you have Rashad Sh- uh, Shahid, you have Michael Thomas, Chris Alave. This It's just not that good. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I thought that the Colts had a shot. But then I forgot that Carter, Gardner Minshew was playing. Yeah, <laughs> Gardner Minshew's not that good. So, hey, man, the Saints did what they were supposed to do. And if they play like this, like if if they're able to play Derek Carr, they are able to get the best out of these weapons. This is this should have been a Super Bowl caliber team. I still think that they're going to be the best team out of the NFC South. I I think they're going to win that by default, but this should be the this should be a Super Bowl caliber team. And this is yet another year where I just feel like more and more disappointment cuz trust and believe if they make the playoffs I'm not picking this team over what the 49ers I'm not picking this team over the Cowboys I'm not picking this team over the Philadelphia Eagles I I'm not doing that no It it just doesn't make sense man It doesn't make sense how bad this team has looked. And this is coming after a win. But I'm just talking about the totality of the season. The Saints team shouldn't be no 4-4. Four four. But I will say congratulations to the Saints. For beating the Colts. 38-27. to 27. I will continue to stand on this box. And say that Tyreek Hill. Deserves to at least be a top 2 candidate and the MVP uh, the Dolphins beat the Pan- uh, Patriots 31 to 17 and this was yet another game uh, The Tyreek Hill became the fastest player in NFL history to record a thousand yards he did it in eight games and there's still eight more to go so possibly not so I again man now I know Jalen Waddell was was good this this game too. And this is yet another game where Mac Jones didn't look good at all. But Jay Tyreek Hill, if you're gonna give it to I know it's not gonna happen, which it should, but I know it's not gonna happen. But if you were to give the MVP to a non-quarterback, this would be the year and Tyree kill deserves that Tyree kill. I'm going to go down and saying that he will be the first player in NFL history to crack 2000 yards in the regular season. Cause the people that's blowing up my DMS and stuff. What about Cooper cup? Cooper cup had the playoffs and he did it in the playoffs. I'm talking about someone doing in the regular season. Come on, bro. Shouts out to the dolphins. Shouts out to Tyree kill, who I think should deserves to be MVP discussion. Uh, for beating the Patriots 31 to 17. Shouts out to the Jaguars for beating the Steelers. Actually, no. Yeah, shouts out to the Jaguars for beating the Steelers 20 to 10. The Steelers are in a world of problems, man. They're it I don't know what's gonna happen with Minka Minka Fitzpatrick. I know he went out with a non contact injury. I don't know if they've confirmed what that is yet. But I know Kenny Pickett went out with rib injury. This this offense already struggles mightily, and now you're out possibly your quarterback, and the defense is still good. But Minka Minka Fitzpatrick is a huge loss if they lose him for any time. It's just this is a this now again they are four and three. I will say that, but that de- their offense is still not that good. And, yeah, man. The Jaguars are, are cool, even though this is yet another game where Trevor Lawrence threw a, a incredibly head-scratching pass that ultimately resulted in an interception. He does that, like, once a game. I, <laughs> but it, it ultimately, because the... Lack of explosiveness from the Steelers' offense, and, and, and let me, let me, let me address Deontay Johnson for a second. That pretty much blamed the blamed the um, refs for this loss. Deontay Johnson was throwing the ball 14 times. Caught eight of them. Dropped two of them. That's not the risk. That's not That's not the refs, bro. This offense is not good. I understand, like, it should be better, but it's not. And the only reason why it was twenty to ten and is not as bad or worse is because the defense is still the defense. Yeah, the refs had some very questionable calls, but they done drop the ball. On several occasions. Not just this season, but this game. So yeah. Shouts out to the Jaguars for beating um the Steelers twenty to ten. The Seahawks beat the Browns twenty-four to twenty. And I just want to highlight the fact that the Seahawks are sneaky, one of the best teams in the NFC. They're five and two right now. They have overtaken the 49ers for the best record in the AFC, no, NFC West. This Seahawks team and they just got Leonard uh Leonard Williams in a trade from the line, from the Giants which definitely bolsters their front line. This team is good, man. Geno Smith, that is not a fluke, uh even though he did throw two touchdowns, two interceptions. It's not a fluke. Geno Smith is a very good quarterback. You, Kenneth Walker is a very good running back. You have DK Metcalf. You have Tyler Lockett. You have Jackson Smith and the Baji. This uh Jake Bobo made, made an appearance. This, this team is good. And this is going against one of the top defenses in football, if not the top defense in football, in the Browns. The Browns pretty much lost this game because – P.J. Walker is not a starting quarterback. He went 15 for 31, 248 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, And you also, so you don't have Deshaun Watson, who honestly hasn't really been playing like a top-tier quarterback, and obviously you lost Nick Chubb. It's going to be tough, but the Seahawks have been real. And shouts out to the Seahawks for continuing to win and now they're atop of the NFC north and ha- will definitely have something to say and defensively they've been really good too that's that's the that's what their issue has been for a while is defensively they've been bad but they're good they're they're good now they're a damn good team and they don't really get talked about a lot because a lot of people don't watch the Seattle Seahawks games but they have been really good so shouts out to the Seahawks for beating the Browns um 24. 24- to 20. Hey, man. The Tennessee Titans beat the Falcons 28-23. to 23. This was the Will Levis game for the ages, man. Will Levis, 19 for 29, 238 yards, four touchdowns. He woke DeAndre Hopkins up. DeAndre Hopkins had 100. Four receptions, one hundred and twenty-eight yards and three touchdowns. Derek Henry had to do much. He twenty two carries for 101 yards. Yo, Will, this was the Will Levis game, man. This first and foremost, hold on. I know for my listening audience, you can't really see it, but I came in here last episode and raved about the Kelly Green Philadelphia Eagles jerseys. I also talked about how beautiful those cream sickle jerseys were for the Bucks. I completely forgot, but it is true how beautiful those um oh I just slipped my mind. Those uh Dolphins throwback jersey is or was doctors? What is that jersey that I'm thinking of? Oh, oh my gosh, this is going to really affect me. There is a jersey that we just saw that I forgot how beautiful it was. Um, oh, boom, the Broncos, the Broncos throwback jerseys, Bella. but those Oilers jerseys. Mm. That that powder blue with the red ri- I don't like I will say I don't like how the NFL is trying to come at the University of Houston for wearing these jerseys. Like these are throwback jerseys, bro. I, that's that's kind of that's kinda corny to me, but uh yeah, them jerseys just moved to bella. But let let's not let's not stray away from the fact that Will Levis had the game of his life a uh, first start in the NFL in a regular NFL game, a regular season NFL game, he went crazy. And I do think that moving forward he ha- has at least won the starting spot until well, he's won the starting spot. I don't I'm not going to I'm not going to be hyperbolic and and crown him, like I'm not saying he's one of the best quarterbacks. I'm not saying that he is the definitive option moving forward, but I do think that he has done enough to win the starting spot. Um, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw any shade on his, on his day because he had a day. Shouts out to him, and shouts out to this Tennessee Titans team for beating the Falcons twenty-eight to twenty-three. It was a beautiful day in Tennessee, so. Shouts out to them. God. The fuck, man. Man. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington Commanders 38-31. to uh, A.J. Brown, I think that he now has an NFL record with most, most games consecutively with, like, 120-plus yards or something like that. I think he had, like, eight of them now, I think. Um, Washington was winning this game by 10, uh, and they ultimately lost. So, Oh, they also traded Montez Sweat to the Bears for a second-round pick, the same Montez Sweat that they got in the first round trade them for a second-round pick. Yet another week, the Eagles get a win. Uh, Washington gets a loss. Now Washington is currently 3-5. and five. Yet another week that Ron Vera is still the head coach for the Washington Commanders. The Eagles are, are probably the best team in the... NFC we're going to see next week when they play against the Cowboys I think that's going to be a huge game Jalen Hurts 319 yards four touchdowns no interceptions AJ Brown like I said eight for eight 130 yards two touchdowns Washington's Washington they did this is the first week where the defense I mean the offensive line showed up. the offensive line showed up. Sam Howe went three hundred and ninety seven yards, four touchdowns, one interception, of course, one interception oh, and we were driving down the field to ultimately tie the game up and Of course I said to myself something's about to happen. lo and behold, as soon as I put a period on that sentence. Sam Howe gets sacked for and fumbled and loot and yeah, okay. Um yeah. Shouts out to the Eagles. And I am not going to I'm not going to bother you guys. I'm not going to sit here and waste your time in sitting here talking about the Jets and the Giants. The Jets beat the Giants ten to 30, or thirteen to ten. I'm not about to go into detail. I will say that this is probably one of the first times where I believe the Giants lost due to the coaching uh, because at the end of the game, fourth and one, you trust a, the legs of a kicker. Now, if you get the first down, if you get the first down, the game's over. <laughs> the game is over. If you get the first down, well, I'm not going to say over, but it gives you a much better shot. You're fourth and one. You have Saquon Barkley. All you need to do, all you need to do, is get the first down, run the clock out, kick a closer field goal, you win. No, instead, you trust the field goal kicker. He misses horribly. Going to overtime, you ultimately lose. Not on, not on. Top. On top of that, you go into overtime and you take the ball instead of defer the ball. You. Yeah, the coaching decisions at the end of this game for the Giants were confusing, to say the least. Uh, And I do think that the coaching decisions ultimately lost in the game. But, I mean, Tyrod Taylor did go out with injury. A whole bunch of people went out with injury in this game. But Tyrod Taylor went out. Zach Wilson played okay. Yeah. Yo, Tommy DeVito went two for seven for negative one yards. Saquon Barkley, 36 carries for 128 yards, and you didn't trust him at the... Yeah, that's been week eight uh, of the NFL season. And uh, yeah, man, we will see what happens then. Let's move forward. Oh, boy. So reports have come out saying that the University of Michigan has rescinded John Harbaugh's extension. Uh, I think the extension was like, let me see. It was like five years, something. Five years, a hundred like something million dollars. And it says like they've been extended. Now, these are reports. Reports are also saying that it has been inaccurate. I don't know if it's true or not. What I did want to highlight is this... Michigan situation with Hardball Michigan. It's starting to be eerily, starting to look eerily similar to the end of the Pete Carroll tenured at USC. The team was great. You can tell that USC and Pete Carroll their their relationship was pretty much over. You needed, they needed a break. The team. The difference, however, is Michigan is a great team. USC at the end wasn't that good, but it just it it feels like it felt like the USC Trojans wanted to find any excuse to get get off of Pete Carroll, and they ultimately did. That's kind of what it feels like for Michigan right now, and John or yeah, Jim John Jim Harbaugh. But what I don't understand is This Michigan team is good. This Michigan team is arguably one of, if not the best team in college football. This Michigan team has a legit chance of winning the national championship. I don't understand why you're so ready to get rid of. It seems like I could be wrong, but it feels like that's the case. Now, whether this extension is real or or this extension recension, which they are rescinding the extension or the reports are they've extended the recension. Oh, my God. (laughs) Reports are they have rescinded the extension because of the whole sign stealing uh, situation. But. To me, that isn't a fireball offense for a coach because everyone does it. So it just I'm not going to go into great detail because that's really all we have, but it just feels like. It looks eerily similar to the end of the Pete Carroll USC Trojan days. It it just feels like that. And whether Jim Harbaugh is out of Michigan at the end of the season or not, or he does get, get the extension or keep the extension, it just feels like there is a sour relationship between Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. And the thing that's what's even more complicated is the fact of Michigan is a great team. They're a really good team, and they have a chance to win the national championship. I fully believe if Michigan was not that good, the, Jim Harbaugh would be out of here. Or if Michigan doesn't at least make it the college to, or the, the the final four, I think he's out of here. I don't know. It just feels like they're, Michigan needs an, needs an excuse to get off of To get off of uh, Jim Harbaugh. And I I just don't understand why. This is probably the best coach you've ever had in your tenure. I don't know. But yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I did want to say shout out to Lionel Messi for winning his eighth. uh, Ballon d'Or award. And as well as an Atina Atana. Bum bon metty i bro again i'm not good with names i'm sorry i messed your name up for winning the women's uh Balon dior thought that's pretty much like the <laughs> the mvp of of, of soccer so shouts out to them again Lionel messi wins his eighth one i think the next bet most is Cristiano ronaldo with four i think and uh Bon Matiz, Bon Mati, the the she has been killing for Spain and Barcelona. She's been killing, bro. Uh so definitely shouts out to you guys. Shouts out to again, I'll, I'll try this name again. Lionel Messi and Atana Bon Mati. I know I said your name wrong. I apologize. Shouts out to you guys for winning this year's Ballon Dior. Damn. Eight, eight of them? Eight of them is crazy. And the unpopular topic of the day goes to boxing. The Tyson Fury-Francis Ngannou, fight displayed everything, in my opinion, that is wrong with boxing. Every Single thing that is wrong with boxing was displayed in this Tyson Fury Francis Ngannou fight. First and foremost, Francis Nga- Tyson Fury technically won the fight at the, end of the, at the end of the game. At the end of the fight, the judges ruled that Tyson Fury won by decision. The first issue I have with boxing, and the first thing that I feel. Is the problem with boxing. Is this fight alone. How is it that. Tyson Fury. Who has 30 what. 34 35 fights under his belt. Who is the. Heavyweight world champion. How is he able. How is Francis Nagani. When I like Francis Nagani. I think that he is a star in the MMA. How is he able. To get a his first fight. Against Tyson Fury the heavyweight champion of the world has 33 i think fights under his belt going against francis naganu his first fight it feels like a creed three man i'm not now i'm not saying francis naganu is you know this that, and the third but he should not be fighting his first fight shouldn't be against tyson fury that's my first issue. Second issue, Tyson Fury, bro. I I understand there's levels to it, but if you're getting paid to do something, you should put your all into it. And the fact of he looked so out of shape, it wasn't even funny. Tyson Fury looked fat. He Now, he's always a bigger dude, but he looked extremely out of shape. to the point where it just it, it paled in comparison to how Francis Ngannou looked. Number four, number 3, my biggest my second biggest issue. You can tell I feel, I understand that sports is about obviously making a profit and I would be naive in in saying that, you know, I have a problem with boxing that's boxing taking money or diluting the product because of money and not look at the nba and looking all these city jerseys that look trash uh or the nfl and how they how they do some of their practices but it is clear as day just watching this fight that and this has been like this for a while now but i feel like boxing is diluting their product just for a profit, a money profit, because again, the, it was entertaining, but it was more entertaining because of, because Francis Ngannou, as great as he is in box, as in MMA, should not be anywhere close to the same level as Tyson Fury. Anywhere close, and it was, it was a, not just that, and that goes to my fifth issue. Francis Ngannou won that fight, but everyone knew in fighting in boxing that if they if he would have won, that would have been a horrible look. Not only for Tyson Fury, not only for boxing in general, but the next fight I think was a name you uh I forgot the dude that Francis Ngannou I'm not Francis Negandu, that uh Tyson Fury is supposed to be fighting uh y- sick I think that. That would look terrible. And they have such a tough time promoting that fight. Boxing to me has become a huge money grab. And it is drastically diluting the product. Now, don't get me wrong. There are still some exciting boxing matches and there's still some great boxers. Like, I think the Terrence Crawford and and Spence fight was great. Uh, The... The Car- Carlo and and I forgot homie's name, bro. And uh, the Carlo fight was good. Yo, that's y- Hold on, I I I shouldn't have forgotten this dude's name. Like uh, Alvarez. The Carlo Alvarez fight was great. But I I just feel like this is a pure example that money. Is, to, is diluting the product that is boxing. And it's and is done that for a while now. I'm not just saying that this is the epitome. I'm saying that it has done this for a while, and it's really starting to show. Tyson Fury lost that fight. Tyson Fury lost that fight, but the reason why he won by decision is because they understand that if he would have lost that fight, you can't promote his next fight against Yusek you, Yous, uh, or something. And the fact of there's just so much wrong with boxing. I think that this fight was the, just everything wrong with boxing was in this fight, in my opinion. Shouts out to Francis Ngannou. It's not really much about him, but it's about boxing in general. Because there should be no reason why he is able to fight Tyson Fury as his first fight. Come on now. And on top of that, Tyson Fury loses. He doesn't lose because... You know, it's a fair opponent. He loses because he doesn't take them seriously, and he got boy, he didn't take he didn't take the training seriously. He didn't take anything seriously, and I it ultimately didn't affect him in the end. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to have you're listening. I'm trying to grow the podcast as much as possible and I can't do it without you guys. I can't do it without more subscribers and it definitely means a lot. I appreciate everyone that continues to comment, even if you don't agree just keep it respectful and we'll talk about it but tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe it means a lot also follow the socials follow instagram follow tiktok that's another place where we have a lot of debates about some of my topics and some of my opinions and if you keep it respectful we definitely i have no problem talking to you guys it means a lot and i post content daily there so yeah subscribe and follow and until next time Much love.